Lecture Topic Bringing Alive the Spirit of Deen, Session 1. The kitab we have in front of us is titled Islahi Akhlaq, The Rectification of Akhlaq. This is a kitab of our Shaykh Shah Kimahud Akhtasar and it deals with all the various maladies of the heart and how to treat these maladies and also deals with all the positive qualities, all the noble qualities and how to acquire them, how to enhance them. So in this Hazrat has gathered many malfuzat and many advices of Hazrat Mawlana Ashraf Ali Thanwi Rahmatullahi as well others. So in this discussion that is in front of us here is Takabur ka Hazrat Hakimul Ummat Thanwi Rahmatullahi ka Irshad Farmuda Ilaj The treatment of pride as per the advice of Hazrat Mawla Hakimud Hazrat Mawla Ashraf Ali Thanwi Rahmatullahi So how to treat the malady of pride now this is a topic that is often discussed, very often in fact. And the reason for this being discussed so often, and this is what you'll find in the books of the Mashaykh, in the kitabs of the Mashaykh, in their writings, in their discourses, whatever is discussed is brought from there. That some of these topics are repeated very often. Among the reasons for this is, that some of these things are number one very subtle very subtle and extremely dangerous so when something is number one subtle and extremely dangerous and that is obviously something to be extremely concerned about because if it's subtle you won't even easily realize it's there it's a problem it's already affecting a person because it's subtle if there's something that's very very obvious then a person will get alerted to it very quickly if a person has some physical problem some physical ailment but the physical ailment is such that as soon as it affects a person he'll start coughing he might start suffering some headaches he might have some other obvious symptoms so not treated or not regarded rather as such a dangerous situation because immediately <coughs> he'll get alerted to it. Already now he's coughing, so now something is not right. Or he's suffering a headache, something's not right. One day passed, two days passed, by the third day he'll be by the doctor already. And sometimes it happens that something is happening deep down, it's getting worse by the day, but there's no obvious symptom. There is no obvious symptom. So this is a very dangerous situation because when he will finally realize that there is a problem, it will have gone very deep down. So some things are very subtle and at the same time very very detrimental. Now pride to the general person, the symptoms of pride are not realized. So to somebody who is conscious about it, somebody who is aware of what the malady of pride is all about, then the symptoms are very obvious. 
and very easily detected but to a person who is not conscious of it not aware about it he doesn't even realize it there the mashayikh the ahlullah those who are experts in the field of islah wallah ta'ala is blessed with that deep basirat the insight they would detect things from very very minor indications also which generally we would not even take second note of what is the expertise the other is that they are blessed with this insight with the nur of iman incident discussed on some previous occasions one person said to hazrat imam shafi rahmatullahi that you have this ability of kashf meaning you are blessed with this uh some ability to see things which others can't see meaning some things of the unseen allah tar opens out to you you have some kashf so he is denying it he said i don't have any such ability person say no i'm sure you have it he said i don't have any such ability any case while they talking one person happened to pass by totally unknown to both of them he passes by so the person who was insisting on imam shafi rahmatullah alayhi that you have this ability of kashfi ask him okay this person who passed by what is his occupation what does he do for a living so imam shafi rahmatullah alayhi looked at him and he observed his walk observed him for a few for a short while and then he said he is either a blacksmith or a carpenter blacksmith person working with metal oh he is a carpenter so this person rushed off and he went and stopped him and he told him please i just want to ask you something what do you do what's your occupation so he said previously i was a blacksmith but now i'm a carpenter so now is this kashf then now this is something sounding very 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 much like kashf but not necessarily kashf sometimes just in how a person talks how he walks how he conducts himself those who have that expertise they detect it and then it's the basirat of iman is the nur of iman one person is looking at something another person is looking through a microscope person is looking with the naked eye he can't see it person looking with the microscope he sees it is there it's not something that is not there you know something in the unseen it's there but just that is not visible to the naked eye but is visible through the microscope so likewise the nur of iman provides this microscope so usman ghani radhiyallahu ta'ala an times people would come and the person now sometimes came and he had misused his eyes committed some haram glance now he came and sat in the gathering so in a generalized way but in order to make the person also understand and realize his mistake so without humiliating the person anyway because nobody knows who is referring to he would say that ma balu aqwamin what is the matter with some people what is the matter with some people yatarashahu min ayunihim zina that zina is dripping from their eyes in other words this haram glances that were committed now this was the zina 
Now he was actually seeing the signs of this in the eyes of the person. If a person, something physical has happened, he was walking somewhere and somebody threw some dirt, so the signs of the dirt are on his body now, it's visible. So likewise sins leave some visible effects as well. They leave visible effects in the eyes of the person, on the face of the person, in his manner, in his ways. But it is the person who with that microscopic vision, with the basirat of Iman, that he will see it. Allah opens it to he wishes. Not something to aspire for anything. But this happens. Usman would see the signs of this. So it's not that he got some cash for what somebody did on the way, but he's seeing the signs of it on him that are visible signs. Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah is mentioned about him that he would see the signs of the sins that are being washed into the water of wudu. This is mentioned in the Hadith Sharif when a person makes wudu, each limb that he washes, and that water washes away the sins when he's made niyat of wudu, he recited Bismillah, and now he's making wudu in the correct manner. This washes away the sins, the minor sins. So now he sees the if he could see the effect of what sin is getting washed away. Signs which Allah Ta'ala has made visible to those who have that sight. So the point is what drifted from the topic, but nevertheless, that there are things that are sometimes detectable to those who have that sight. But the average person, to him it just doesn't exist. He doesn't realize it's there, doesn't have any idea that this is a problem, doesn't consider it as an issue, doesn't even probably know the symptoms of it to Sarahud. And as a result, these things get deeper and deeper. But then the other part of it is that in the light of, or as a result of these maladies, everything in his deen gets affected. Or sometimes he's committing some major sin which he doesn't even realize is a sin. Now this is the need to become conscious of this, to keep uh, refreshing it, to become very very alert to it, and to take care that we don't fall into these traps, we don't fall into these issues. Otherwise, whatever a person is earning sometimes on one side, he's losing on the other end. Everything is getting destroyed. And on the day of Qiyamah, then it will be too late now when a person realizes that what he did got lost and what he brought along was all the big big problems then it's too late therefore we have to keep pondering over that the pious the aslaf they had this in front of them all the time that I go to stand in front of Allah Ta'ala Sufyan Sori Rahmatullah they used to often see him that he's got one piece of paper a little page and he's looking at it very very intently then after some time again he's looking at it, then again he's looking at it. Repeatedly over the day he's looking at this little page. One day it happened that that piece of paper fell out of his hand. So now this piece of paper when it fell out of his hand, somebody who was close by, now as a favor they quickly rushed to pick it up to give it to him. But as they picked it up they even read what was there. Maybe not even intending to do so, but in that one glance person read what was there. Ya Suf, Ya Thawri or Ya Sufyan, Uzkur Wukufaka Amam Allah. Ya Sufyan, Uzkur Wukufaka Amam Allah. O Sufyan, remember you have to stand in front of Allah. 
Now this great muhaddis, this great faqih, contemporary of Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah, very great personality. His riwayat of hadith are filled in the books of Hadith Sharif. And despite the caliber of the person, he saw the need to even write this down and put it on this piece of paper and to actually read it and look at it and remind himself of this all the time. Repeatedly in the day, he is looking at this piece of paper and he is reminding himself that Uzkur wuqufaka amam Allah. Remember, you have to stand in front of Allah Ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah, then all the pretenses will be gone. These are great people. But they used to chastise themselves in this manner. Now to think for ourselves now. That on that day all the pretenses will be over. All the, the appearances will be gone. Only the reality will speak. Nothing will be able to be concealed on that day. There will be no excuses that will work. There will be nothing that we can now try to hide behind. Only the reality will be in front. And the reality will speak. So now how are we going to fare on that day to think about this? This thinking unfortunately is what we have left out. We hear a lot, we speak a lot, we might do a lot also, but we don't think so much. Think obviously meaning tafakkur, pondering, reflecting, meditating on Budrug, thought about him, thinking carefully, what's my age? thought about it, my age is now 65 years 65 years old so now 65 years how many days have passed in my life they calculated it 21,000 days, perhaps either his whole life or he worked it out from the time he became of age 21,000 days now he's thinking he's thinking 21,000 days he said 21,000 days if I had only committed one sin per day and I did make amends and I meet Allah Ta'ala in this manner then I will meet Allah Ta'ala with 21,000 sins that is if only there was one sin per day I am involved in Yom now these people were people who were blessed tremendously but they would still regard themselves as blameworthy I don't know how many sins I am committing in the day what will be my condition? This became such an overwhelming thought. The next thing he let out a shriek and suddenly people looked. He fell down and passed away. But as they were now attending to him, he just fell down and passed away. From the unseen there's a voice. That ya man laka raqdatun ilal jannatil firdaus. That how wonderful for you, O you, who you are, now you've leaped into Jannatul Firdaus. But this, where it came from? This consciousness. Perhaps this might have been his ongoing, his practice of pondering, meditating, thinking, trying to spur himself. On this occasion, this got inspired into his heart. Whatever a person does, the more he gets into that, the more that is what opens out to him. If it's something in dunya, he's applying his mind in that aspect of dunya and he's pondering over it and thinking about it now the more he applies it that's the system of dunya Allah Ta'ala opens out that way so now his mind opens out in that now he's becoming a genius in what? in dunya but now somebody applies his mind towards akhirat towards how to get closer to Allah Ta'ala how to stay away from sin how to improve his akhlaq how to 
improve his amal in general so the more he applies his mind to that ponders over it he meditates in that manner that is what opens out to him allah taala inspires his heart with that so these people despite their great ability and their expertise in deen despite their piety despite how close they were to allah taala but this was their concern and this is the sign of progress nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam what was his maqam what was his position who can ever imagine the ibadat of the entire creation and the sajdas of the entire humanity or every mu'min the whole ummah and including all the sajdas of all the anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam all put together cannot equate one sajda of nabi kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam in his position and rank who can ever imagine and his marifat and recognition of allah tabaraka wa ta'ala who can ever imagine one fraction of it too but despite that what is his declaration ma abadnaka haqqa ibadatik wa ma arafnaka haqqa ma'rifatik ya allah we have worshiped you in a way that we have even fulfilled any right of your worship we have recognized you in a way that we can fulfill the right of your recognition of that spirit obviously we can never reach that spirit even in any at any fraction compared to nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam but in our own level that spirit has to be there and as long as a person is getting more concerned then that's a sign of progress but if a person apparently is progressing in amal but is becoming now less afraid this is very dangerous the sign of retrogression amal are increasing mashallah very good but if that is making complacent i think i'm fine abdullah everything is going very well alhamdulillah whatever allah has blessed with tawfiq but i am still far away from anywhere that i can become relaxed and now every time he is becoming more concerned that opens out his faults which he wasn't even conscious about which he took for granted one thing then opens out another fault he became more alert and more concerned about that that becomes a means of opening out something deeper to him his life comes out like this and there's never a moment that he feels that i am now accomplished or anywhere close to accomplishment then this is a sign of progress that if this is what the feeling is and as soon as the feeling is that i think i am fine i am better off now this is where these issues come up which we need to keep revising keep discussing so that this remains fresh in the mind and we don't get involved in some of these major sins which are extremely destructive among those major sins is the sin of looking down upon others tahqir looking down upon somebody else is a major sin is among the kabair but as serious and as dangerous as this is very often is not even regarded as any sin person doesn't think about it doesn't even realize it doesn't give it a second thought doesn't feel anything about it but this is how dangerous it is so therefore in this regard there are some advices of the talwi rahmatullah alay that 
how to repel this so pride pride has two elements in it batarul haq wa ghamtun nas this is mentioned in the hadith sharif the pride one part of it is rejecting what is the truth we discussed this previously as well and the other part of it is ghamtun nas looking down upon others now one is looking down upon somebody based on whatever other issues might be sometimes because we feel we are on a better dini position now somebody is being looked down upon because of his maybe financial position very obvious that that is totally terrible it's a sin we feel we are better off than somebody financially so he is down we feel something because of our maybe social standing family that we come from maybe somebody is whatever other excellence or expertise he has perhaps that is all very clear cut that is now baseless to regard oneself as better on those on that basis but sometimes on a dini basis we feel that we are better than somebody this is a very very delicate point one is that the wrong can never ever be regarded as right let alone regard as light to even regarded as something insignificant or something light something small never but that doesn't make us better because who's better will only be known at the end result so we might be safe from a certain thing alhamdulillah allah taala's fazl but that doesn't make us superior in totality to anybody so that is the point here and this is what is being discussed that how to now keep oneself clean from this malady and what should be done to repel this evil from the heart so there are several points here number 1 ye soche ke jo kamalat hamare andar hai ye mera paida kya kya hua nahi hai haq taala ki ata hai generally a person looks down upon somebody else because he apparently has something which that person doesn't have he apparently has something whether it might be something related to dunya or something related to deen so now he's looking down upon somebody else now this is a kabira it's a major sin very destructive can be extremely harmful can destroy a person's akhirat So now the ilaj that hazrat is explaining is number 1 that at that moment one should immediately ponder that i am thinking i have this excellence whatever this expertise whatever i possess in terms of qualities or whatever this is not something i have of my own accord i didn't create this expertise or this excellence or whatever it might be this is purely the gift and the favor of allah taala i think of mine so if a person somebody left an amanat with him the amanat now maybe some very valuable item maybe a billion rand left an amanat with him so now he is boasting as if he is the billionaire but tomorrow that he will be gone then what is going to boast about the person come and take his amanat back what is going to boast about a very foolish thing to do extremely foolish and people get to know sooner or later that this doesn't belong to him so likewise what we have is nothing ours 
everything is purely the bounty and the gift of Allah Ta'ala so that has to be brought consciously to mind now these things are sometimes taken as by the way but it has a very very major impact on a person's progress in deen many times person is doing a lot of good deeds making a lot of efforts to try and progress in his Islam but he's still lacking in some of these basic things as a result of which the effort though is there but there's no progress or very little because in the fundamental aspects there's still a major problem and this is a fundamental aspect if a person is looking down upon somebody else this is a fundamental aspect a major problem <coughs> sometimes these things are not taken very as major but to those who have the insight in it therefore they are explaining all this once one person was in Thanabon in the Khanqa in Hazrat Thanabir Rahmatullahi Khanqa and Hazrat was sitting in the courtyard he was sitting somewhere at the back facing the Qibla sitting at the back and in that it was now not Salah time or anything so there were a few people there one person was sitting somewhere in the middle and reciting Quran Sharif another person came along who was also in, based at the Khanqa at that time so he just came in perhaps might have come from finishing off some work or whatever so he wanted to recite Quran Sharif also maybe so he came and sat down close to this person who was now seated somewhere in the middle now one is that the masjid is full and now there's one gap so now somebody went and sat down in the gap so nobody takes any notice about it person who's sitting on the right, left doesn't even maybe he might just make some space to accommodate the person also and if there's enough space he doesn't even take notice, he's busy with something he carries on but now if the place is empty and now somebody came and sat maybe close by, not even right next to him maybe just a meter away but the masjid is empty he's going to most likely now stop to see that has this person come to tell me something he came and sat so close, the whole masjid is empty he came to sit so close so maybe he is wanting to say something so now he is going to turn his attention to him so now this person came and sat close by so that immediately called for him so he asked him that uh, you went and sat there in close proximity to this person what was the reason for this? So he said, he didn't say anything, just kept quiet. He says, but there must have been some reason. The whole place was empty. One is that was the only gap. But the place was empty. So now you went and sat there. Why you sat there? So he said, no, I didn't think. Meaning, now he's realizing. I didn't think that this is going to cause some disturbance. So this too happened after a few other questions, finally he came to this, I, it was my fault, my mistake. So now, the effort that used to be made was that to make a person learn to think correctly. Because the lack of thinking correctly, this is where everything then goes. Because the mind now is not thinking right, so then sometimes even what is wrong also starts becoming regarded as, no this is fine too. Oh, it's not really a problem. 
Why? Because the thinking is off. So therefore they have been, some bayans of Tamir Rahmatullahi gave the title Islahul Khiyal. Correcting the thinking. One is thinking, person is thinking in a deviated way. That is obviously the worst level. And then even on these levels, where now it is not gone deviated out of deen, but that too is not the correct thinking in terms of what is the correct amal to do, the right way to conduct oneself, in terms of mu'asharat, in terms of mu'amalat, akhlaq, etc. So this is to be emphasized very, very strongly. To think. To think what is the right thing to do in this moment in time. What's the right way to say something? What's the right way to present something? So in any case, this person now rounded a little bit. So eventually he accepted my fault. I made a big mistake. He asked him now that you made this mistake now, so what should be the repercussion of this? So he said, no, whatever you decide. So he said, the mistake you made, now I must make the extra effort of deciding the repercussion also. Now this was all a way of making him understand the severity of what happened. Now severity, is this something severe? Somebody sitting in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the masjid, other person comes and sits next to him. Is it something severe? Now to us this is nothing. At the most, it's not a good thing. At the most is not a good thing. But when this is the mizaj, this is the way that a person's nature becomes, then what happens? That then leads to bigger things, and that leads to even bigger things, and then the person is committing major zulm also, he sees what's the problem with it. But what is the problem really? The problem is this mizaj, this temperament that got settled, set in, to treat something that's wrong or a problem in itself as not a problem. Nothing, nothing really to take note of. But now those who knew how things work and they want to, somebody wants to get to the point where he makes Islam the big things, it starts off with becoming alert to the small things. Because that Islam of the small things is going to lead to the Islam of the big things. What we regard as small. Now what is this? This was a disturbance. Somebody is making tilawat of the Quran Sharif. He's in, in an ibadat. Somebody came and sat needlessly. Needlessly came and sat close by. What he did? He disturbed him. This disturbance is what? It is taklif. This taklif is called what? In the terminology of shariat, iza. And Iza'ul Muslim is haram. Needlessly causing taklif to somebody. Now, outwardly it was nothing. But for somebody who doesn't have that deeper understanding of it, it's nothing. But now this is taklif. Now he gave taklif and he thought nothing about it. So now that taklif, he thought nothing about it. Then tomorrow, okay, comparatively that was a smaller taklif comparatively but then tomorrow a bigger taklif and he won't think anything about that as well and the day after will be an even bigger taklif and he won't think anything because that becomes then the nature that becomes the temperament and then Allah forbid person starts getting joy of giving taklif he starts getting some kind of Allah knows best what kind of pleasure out of it 
to keep somebody else on edge, to have people walking on eggshells around him, and he feels some kind of maybe, I'm somebody now, that everybody has to walk on eggshells around me, and he doesn't think anything about it. He doesn't even think that I have to answer for this on the day of Qiyamah. Many, many years back, this was about maybe some <coughs> 25 years ago or more, so one very, very great alim passed away now, Pakistan Allama Khalid Mahmoud Sahib Rahmatullah So he had come that time, he came not long before he passed away, he had come to one Jalsa about maybe some 5-6 years ago. He had come to Newcastle and he came to Durban also just for one evening program at the age of 90 something. He gave a tour over here. And after that he said now maybe people are getting tired, he has to stop. So people were getting tired but he wasn't yet tired. So any case, so we're talking about now more than 25 years ago. So when he came so he was based at the madrasa, so in the room where he was stationed. So he was sitting around, perhaps it was after the meal, so the dasarkhan was still open there and uh, something had spilled. And exactly remember what happened, but something had spilled. So somebody quickly, there was a roll of tissue paper, toilet paper that was also kept there on the side. So now, whatever had spilled, somebody who was sitting close by to that tissue paper, he decided to now quickly dab it up. So for that, now that toilet paper, that roll, so he quickly rolled up a good amount on his hand, detached it from the roll and he dabbed it, but it was something that was didn't require so much. So now it's something that's taken as something very very insignificant, very by the way, who gives it a second thought. But he observed it, he said, Are kya kya tumne? So now if he's looking kya kya, he's cleaning this up, what's the problem? Say, kya kya tumne? Say, itna sara le liya, iska bhi qiyamat ke din jawab dena parega. He says, you, it needed maybe half of what you did, whatever you, you, you used up in it, half of it would have done the job. You could answer for the other half, because you wasted it. There was no benefit in using that. It was a total waste. Now he got a shock about it, that this person used so much. Everybody else was sitting there quite casually, all saw it happening, but it wasn't something that everybody else felt that way immediately. Few people were sitting there, two, three others, but he was jolted by it. Now, what's the difference? The difference is that bizarre that got built over time. Or oh, whatever that bizarre that was in. That that bizarre of now, everything that is going to be done, what I'm going to say, I have to answer to Allah Ta'ala. So now that bizarre of being very conscious that nobody must get the cleave. Then the small, small things he'll be looking at very carefully. If you look at how he parked his car, I'm very close to the person now, next door. And I am not exactly in the spot that I should be. I have come away a little bit too much on one side. So now when that person is going to want to jump out of his car or jump into his car, I am not using my space correctly. That person is going to be now in Taklif. I rather now reposition my car. I came out, I jumped out and I saw the left is now too close to the right of the next person's car. But because I parked incorrectly, now only somebody else has parked incorrectly, I have to just 
park in my space. But now I have parked incorrectly. Now does it cross the mind that now I need to come out of, get back into this car and position it correctly because otherwise I'm giving the cleave to somebody else. Now when that will happen? When there is that consciousness of the dini visage. Oh, and sometimes that visage, what is the visage in terms of what is the visage of shariat? There's a separate complete discussion on this, the hudud shariat and the visage shariat. This is something apart from this visage that we're talking about. This visage and temperament is to have the temperament to do what is right. And the temperament to be alert to anything at any level that is wrong. Now for example the temperament that nobody must get the cleave. That becomes a deep temperament. Undue difficulty must not be caused to anybody at any level. So now, for somebody now that cars park, this person will make his own way, don't worry. He'll jump in from the passenger side and come inside if need be. So no matter now, it's fine now. So now that will be the way we'll think if the temperament is gone in that direction. It doesn't matter if somebody else is getting taklif. Why? Because this teaching of deen has the impact of it is not there. Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimuna min lisanihi wa yadi. That a Muslim in reality is the one who no Muslim gets any taklif from him. And in one hadith it is man salimahun nas. All people. Let alone insan, let alone musalman, any insan, let alone insan, even hayawan. Let alone any human being, he won't harm any creature unduly also. Because Allah tells makhluk. So unduly he won't cause any taklif to any creature as well. Because Muhammad Masihullah Sahib Rahmatullah when he came to South Africa on one of his suffers, so in Johannesburg he was based at somebody's place. So at night, everybody, now he was seated on a chair in that room and people were coming, going, etc. Eventually, everybody left and the host also asked if fine, the host also left. In the morning, early in the morning, the host came to attend to him. So he saw that the bed was still, he realized it was untouched, still made up as it was. So he got surprised and he realized something is, perhaps hers was not well, what happened? So when he asked and then he, so to say, pushed it a little, so eventually as I mentioned that no, when I got to the bed, the cat had already curled itself up in there. Now I didn't have the heart to disturb it because I would get it out of the bed, it was already fast asleep. So this chair was quite comfortable, I slept away on the chair. I slept away on the chair, why? I don't want to give this cat the leaf. Now. Obviously that cat slept in the wrong place. So this was an undue taklif. If it had to be moved, it was in order because it came in the wrong place. Like somebody was asleep in somebody else's bed. You can wake him out now. It's my place now. I need to sleep. You came in the wrong place. So that was an undue taklif. But these personalities were of that level that that too was not within their... They couldn't take it. Their heart couldn't accept that. That now to give, I'd rather spend the night on this couch or whatever it was, this chair. It's okay. But now how I want to 
wake this cat up and disturb its sleep. We are not obliged to try to get to that level, but at least we don't give insan taklif. That is something way beyond our capacity. Now if we see some cat in our bed now, say no, I'd rather sleep on the floor. Somebody has a himmat, no problem. But you're not, that's not demanded of us. But undue taklif to even an animal, and undue taklif to insan, that is what we have to become conscious about. So now this becomes that mizaj. That is what, we, what has to be developed. Now this, we moved off from that incident that we are talking about, that this person came in the midst of the masjid, sat down close to this, the person who was reciting Quran Sharif there, outwardly this looks like a very very minor thing. What's the big deal about this? But now those who, that Islam is not just of some selected things, Islam is of the very root, that the root must get sorted out. Now taklif, giving taklif, it has a root. Now a few top top things we sorted out and felt now we sorted everything out. But that root is still there, it will bring other thorns out. It will bring other problems. So now this was meant to uproot this. So I asked him now what are we going to, how are we going to sort this out? So in any case he said well, gave one two things, he said but that doesn't serve the purpose. Eventually, he said, okay, I'll go away from the Khanqa. Now, for somebody who, who really was truly wanting to make his Islam, from where he might have come, how far away he might have come, those days, traveling was such a mission as well. And they came with genuine talab. One is, that a person came as a visitor. So as a visitor, says, well, doesn't seem like my visit is being appreciated here. Might as well go somewhere else. He came as a visitor, so now he wants to be appreciated also, must be welcomed. But somebody comes in as a patient, he didn't come as a visitor. He came as a patient with that aqidat, that conviction that this hospital is where my treatment lies. With the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala, my cure will come in this, this hospital. So now he doesn't come to the hospital to be welcomed in. He's waiting in the queue, please take me in. He goes as a visitor somewhere, he's looking now what kind of carpet they laid out for me. Person goes to hospital, he doesn't expect any carpet there. He is asking to please be admitted. So it is the talab, it is the extent of talab that a person has that now makes these kind of things palatable to him. He can digest it. Why? Because he understands this is treatment. I came to the hospital to be treated. And if this is the treatment, now they're saying you're going to operate on you, they're saying you're going to now have to do this and that and whatever. Well, whatever has to be done, has to be done. So he said, well, okay, I'll leave the Khanqa. For that to be said was something like, like to move a mountain. That was the most severe thing for the person in those days, that he went to a Khanqa for his Islam and he was told, you pack your bags and go now. And from time to time this used to be used for the Islam of people, but they were people of real caliber in terms of trying to acquire the Islam also. They wouldn't just pack their bag and say, well, I'm not needed here, I'd rather go somewhere else. They came not to be needed there, they came in need. They came with their need. They said, okay, I'll leave the Khanqa. 
said, well, it's very good. This is now you're talking something that's sensible. Now he already decided now, okay, this is the repercussion for it, for this amount of a mistake. But now he's assisting him also, but where you want to go from here? Okay, he came from some far off place. So he said, well, okay, there's this other area somewhere, but you don't even know anybody there. What are you going to do there? Okay, you go to Jalalabad. At that time, Hazrat Muhammad was already based in Jalalabad. Say, well, you go there. In other words, you go there, he'll take care of you. After three days, you come back. Now, those three days were like a small Qiyamad. But now, three days expelled from the Khanka come after three days. That wasn't something like a, go for a holiday and come back. Those three days under this situation, that so to say, suspended for three days, that was like a small Qiyamad. But now that after the small Qiyamah the person came, for life this root of Taklif would have been uprooted. For life this would have been uprooted. Now anything and everything, he would have been thinking not once and twice, repeatedly thinking and applying his mind, is this going to give Taklif to anybody? Now those who were serious about Islam, this is how then they applied themselves. They were ready for whatever it took. But this is the, this is what Islam is all about. Not something that just, a by the way thing, casual, all I need of it, I'm most in need of it, but to even understand what it is all about. We are still far away from that understanding of what it is all about. So, now this is the extent to which this mizaj, this very temperament was developed, the right mizaj, to think correctly, to understand the situation correctly, to be conscious of things, what am I doing, and how am I doing it, what's to be done. Then gradually, the correct temperament sat in in all different aspects. His manner of how he put people through the paces, that this became like a distinguishing feature. One person was traveling, and he came to the station, so, there was some extra luggage. He wasn't even sure if it was extra or not. But he felt that there was extra. Now, there was a certain allowance that you could take without any additional fee being required, whatever your ticket you paid. That, like, a person travels by plane nowadays, whatever. So, this 25 kilos, 30 kilos, whatever is now part of that. But any excess luggage now, you're going to have to get that weight and pay for it. Uh, he wasn't 100% sure. So now when he got there to the station, he's telling the person who's responsible for this, the official there, that please weigh this. Now, in that time in India, how it was now on the platform, there'll be these fellows with the scales, and anybody has excess luggage, they must come, weigh it, and how much the excess weight is, pay, get the ticket, and board the... So now with the excess luggage, you take a separate ticket for that and go. So now he came to this person telling him, please weigh this luggage. That person is saying, there's no need to wait. He's the official, his job it is to wait. He is probably now guessing also, maybe he was not interested, just too lazy to do it. Say, hey, don't worry, go. This person is saying, no, 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 you must wait. He say, no, don't worry about it, just go. So now he is going on, insisting, no, you must wait. And that fellow is insisting, I'm not waiting. It. After a big battle eventually, he got him to wait. And it was in order. It wasn't any excess. 
But in any case now, oh, oh there was perhaps some excess he paid for it either way. Thing is now he boarded the train. When he boarded the train, there was a Hindu that was also now in the same compartment who happened to be observing this whole drama from the... He was already seated inside and from the window of the train he was observing this drama carrying on on the platform. He was just observing now what's going on and then now finally he sees this person now came and he boarded the train. So now when he boarded the train, this is a Hindu. So he is telling him, he's asking, this Hindu is asking him, this Muslim, that you were insisting on this person to weigh your luggage and he is even telling you, don't worry about it. But you continued insisting until you finally double checked it. By any chance are you linked to Maulana Ashraf Ali? This Hindu is asking him, perhaps are you associated with Maulana Ashraf Ali? Now he might have been coming from that area or whatever, as a Hindu also, he had become aware that people come to this place, this is the kind of training they get. As a Hindu, he became aware of it too. And this is how people who come and get trained here conduct themselves. So now this was a very odd thing, where people are always trying to make a plan as they say, and how to try and bypass all the requirements, and this bypassing the requirements is part of now deception because the requirement is that this is the allowable limit more than that is not allowed now you try to deceive and get past that and cut corners so it's deception so now this place that people come to Muslims come here they come and spend time here they come and learn how to live correctly now this person was avoiding being deceptive in any way Oh, he didn't want to do something that is not allowed. He must have got trained there. Now, as a Hindu, he's asking the question. So now, this was the point of Islam that people came there to acquire this rectification. In fact, in one Malfuz, Hazrat stated that if a person has spent time in a khanta, any amount of time too, without the genuine niyat of Islam, then unka rehna bekar hai. Then his stay there in regard to Islam is futile. Inshallah, he will for whatever amal he performed. He will get some benefit out of the company. But his Islam won't get paid. If his niyat was not really Islam, his niyat was now I'll I mean, just now be here. I'll get some benefit, get some sawab, inshallah I'll get sawab. But Islam is something else. So Islam was not just a, by the way, casual thing, something that just... It was something that people undertook very seriously. But then, they subjected themselves to the corrections of whatever level, and this became the outcome. That the very root of these issues were then treated. And person became then super conscious for example not wasting Allah Ta'ala's ni'mads one is using it using it in a level of comfort also no problem Allah Ta'ala has blessed somebody with some bounty, some ni'mad so he is making use of it on a level of comfort the mashayikh one is the mizaj of shariat the mizaj of deen is simplicity that's the mizaj of deen this is coming back to the topic that was just touched on by the way just now since this one point is coming
so to understand this in the light of this particular issue that one is the hudud of shariat and the other is the mizaj of shariat so the mizaj of shariat is simplicity but nevertheless that is the mizaj that is what deen the spirit of deen is all about innal bazazata minal iman ala innal bazazata minal iman simplicity is a quality of iman part of iman but in terms of permissibility now this is this is the difference between mizaj and hudud one is the level of permissibility now that a person can afford something more comfortable but something of tangible benefit tangible comfort it's allowed no problem it's not impermissible it's permissible provided it's earned in a halal way he's not incurring any debts he's not putting himself in any taklif for it he's not making that his primary objective hankering after it though it might be something difficult for him now fine permissible then now beyond that so one is this comfort beyond comfort is something which is decorative even really any tangible benefit for example now if the wall is not painted not going to harm anybody but i painted it and painted it a little bit better too why because now he'll see it and feel nice about it even that has been given some level of leeway and then beyond that is another level which can affect any level but is a level of boasting showing off competing i mean not outdo somebody else live up with the joneses as they say that is impermissible so now this is the had this is the boundary that look not the ideal because when a person is too close to the boundary he can easily fall out so now the person is now chasing this decorative level Allah forbid when he will fall past that so now one is that a person is doing something to show off to make a name for himself to boast to try and outdo others somebody has got something now I, could, I can have something also I could also show that I can also outdo you that is haram but if it didn't come to that then this too is within permissible limits though not the ideal that now person goes on to this decorative level too much little bit understood no problem because that is already on the boundary so if it is within the boundary it's okay but it's on the boundary nevertheless it's on the border and the border border is a dangerous area when there's war between two countries the most dangerous place is on the border after that because when the bombing starts first the place on the border gets affected therefore Hazrat Rahmatullahi Hazrat Shahakim Akhtasar Rahmatullahi in relation to when he used to talk about the garments that keeping the garments above the ankles so one used to say that that it is haram to keep it below the ankle but he said don't even keep it with the ankle because that's on the border and when the bombing starts then the border gets bombed out first so keep it well inside the border so he used to just 
to try and just make it more understandable, people understand it a little bit on a probably lighter note, but a very important aspect nevertheless, that this too is regarded as a very insignificant thing sometimes, whereas in the Hadith Sharif, there's a very severe warning that Allah Ta'ala will not look at those people who hang their garments below their ankles with, with, with rahmat on the day of Qiyamah. And Nabi Kareem Wasallam said that in the Hadith Sharif that that Isbal ma asfala min al-idari min al-ka'abayn fafinnar whatever is going to be hanging below the ankles will be in the fire of Jahannam meaning that very portion of the body will be the fire of Jahannam so in any case the point coming back to this is that now this is the mizaj that that decorative level is right on the border don't know when you slip beyond that it's better to just stay well inside so a little bit of it is fine but not to become too engrossed in it whatever tangible comforts Allah is bless somebody with Alhamdulillah no problem but now this is on the one side the mizaj of simplicity this is the hudud Allah Ta'ala has made it easy person stays within these limits doesn't go too close to the border otherwise he might fall out but this is all meant to be that islah when a person is concerned about it he wants to stay well within the limits bring the mizaj of shariat in place that is then the focus as much as a person can he'll come closer to the mizaj he won't be wanting to just be close to the border and be happy about it content that is on the border his effort will be to come from the border closer to the center come from the border closer to the mizaj of deen because that is where the ruh and spirit of deen is there are many things which technically will be permissible technically some things are permissible there is a hadith sharif for example that Nabi Kareem on one occasion he stood and drank some water hadith is there but was that the common practice was that was what normally happened that happened on some occasions and in the context of what Nabi Kareem had to fulfill him being the example that Allah Ta'ala sent for the Ummah that he had to show the hudud also and show the mizaj as well what was the border and what was the spirit of deen so on some occasions some occasions the border was also shown because the Ummah was nowhere as a border but the norm was the spirit of deen that he always sat and ate, sat and drank but there are occasions where he stood so that a person sometimes is in a situation out of that situation that now becomes difficult to do it otherwise so now in that moment he will maybe stand and have that one sip and carry on so to make it easy for the ummah when there is a need for that but that's not the norm the spirit of deen is what was taught the spirit of deen is what has to be brought alive and the spirit of deen is what deen is all about that is showing the border rules rules are not written so that a person just stays on the rule that the rule is for example that a person is going to travel at 120 kilometers an hour so come what may what kind of conditions are prevailing it's raining heavily it's probably snowing 
you must drive at 120. So the rule is that you must drive at 120. 120 is the limit. But if the conditions are dangerous, you must drive at 60 also. And if it's very dangerous and there's fog and what not, you might even drive at 20. So why? Because the spirit is to drive carefully. The spirit of driving is to drive safely. That is the limit. That if the conditions are safe, then too you drive at maximum 120, don't drive beyond that. But if the conditions are not safe, then don't drive at 120. Because that's going to become dangerous for you. So we understand there's a difference between these two. It doesn't matter that there's 120 is the limit. So now regardless of what the conditions are, drive at 120. So that will be too dangerous now in the foggy conditions. The spirit of driving is to drive safely. So we understand there's a difference. So the spirit is what is always the thing to seek and what to try to to bring alive. So when the spirit of other things, one is the the rules of how business is conducted. But the spirit of business is something else. The rules are certain things that should not be compromised at any level. Those are the rules. You don't do this. You don't compromise these rules. Otherwise, then you're going to cause a big problem. There are certain rules. But the spirit of business people conduct in a very different level. So now why do they do those extra things and go way beyond what it, the calling is of how to conduct things. They want to do it in a far better way because that's the spirit. That's what's going to maximize profits. So any businessman, he understands that the whole the focus is how to maximize profits not just to earn a living earning a living that is for the person who is employed for the employer how to maximize profits he is not content with earning a living when it comes to deen he is content with the bare minimum we are not the tajir in deen whereas in deen also must be a tajir hal adullukum ala tijaratin tunjikum min azabin alim Allah Ta'ala speaks about a tijarat a business in the Quran Sharif Meaning that, because that's a mentality of insan, he's a tajir. So he'll understand there's a tijarat of akhirat also. So now how to bring alive that spirit of deen, the spirit of the sunnah, not looking for loopholes, not looking for the bare minimum, just to cut corners, just to appease the laziness. So now one is the laziness, but to admit that I'm just lazy is very difficult. So to find something as a crutch, to say, well, this also happened one day. I saw it somewhere in one rewired, mentioned somewhere. But the inside is the laziness. Once in one place, it was Ramadan, and some people started off some problem. Now after eight rakats of Tarawih, now... They created some hubbub and got a lot of people confused and after Eitra Kastrawi a whole lot of people started waking up to leave. So it happened the first night, second night. So the third day, Hafiz Abu was performing the Tarawi, MashaAllah Allah gave him that understanding of how to now deal with this matter. So immediately after the Eitra Kastrawi, immediately stood up 
And so if we just, just sit down, I just want to just say something first. He said, look, all I know about is that in Ramadan everything has to be increased. All the amal, as much as you can do to do more. So Quran Sharif normally the whole year round, sometimes somebody not even reading anything, somebody reading little but Ramadan comes, try to spend much more time in Quran Sharif. Nawafil hardly, sometimes the person is making Nawafil after, out of Ramadan. Come Ramadan, we have to increase it, do more. Likewise, other amal, do more. Now comes Tarawi, now we got a choice of doing less or doing more. So now the spirit of Ramadan is to do more. So now we are going to live the spirit of Ramadan or go backwards. So now all the bicharas who were just carried away by somebody's fancy talk, no, no, this makes sense. Ramadan, we must do more. Because the spirit of Ramadan is to do more amal. Say, okay, fine. Good number of people, maybe few handful only went away. The rest all, they changed their mind. They said, no, 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 we're staying. We're not going. We're going to make 20 rakats. Now, this was no academic discussion involved here. No, Dalail, he didn't go into any kind of debate of any issue. In a very simple way, simple people, simple understanding, simple way, he solved the problem for most of them. They understood it genuinely. This is it. We don't need anybody to tell us anything else. Ramadan is the time to increase Amal. Making Tarawi 8 rakats is decreasing it. We're going to keep it 20. Now what the simple point he used was the spirit of Deen. MashaAllah, he understood. He made them understand the spirit of Ramadan. Spirit of Ramadan increase Amal. Just merely on this point, people understood, no, no, we have to read 20 rakats. Whereas that is in its own manner very clearly established based on very thorough proofs academically well established from the amal of Nabi Kareem Wasallam, the Sahaba Ikram but he in a very simple way but on the note of the spirit of deen now the spirit of deen in terms of mu'amalat the spirit of deen in terms of mu'asharat the spirit of deen in terms of akhlaq the spirit of deen in terms of ibadat. For example, what is the hudud of deen? The hudud of deen is, if a person performed his fajr, zuhar, asr, maghrib, isha, performed his wajib, and together with that, comes along the sunnah of as well. Now he completed this, is he going to get any azab? For example, this person's whole life, he didn't perform any other salah. What was discussed only he performed. He didn't get involved in gunas as well. Will this person get any azab? Allah Ta'ala out of his father will accept all this, send him to Jannat. He has fulfilled the hudud of ibadat. His salah, likewise his fasting, zakat, etc. But is this the mizaj of shariat? The mizaj of deen? He's not going to get azab because he's fulfilled what the requirement is. But the mizaj is Nabi Karim Sallallahu was given on another level. Qumil layla illa qalila fatahajjad bihi nafilatan lak Nabi Karim Sallallahu passed on this targhib to the Ummad Alaykum biqiyam al-layl fa innahu da'bu salihina qablakum ila akhiri al-hadith Mizaj, don't be content with just the faraiz. Perform nawafil as well. Try to wake up for tahajjud. Nabi Karim Sallallahu is giving the encouragement of ishraq. Now the two rakats also then hajjatun wa umratun 
A lengthy discussion about this wording and so on, what it means, but just the main point here now that the what is known as Salatul Duha in the middle of the day, the time from the time of sunrise till midday. So now between sunrise and midday, if it is for example say six hours, between sunrise, just as an example now is six hours. So three hours from sunrise. So sunrise is three o'clock. So at 9 o'clock. So 9 o'clock now, between 9 and 12 will be the time of Duha. So the first half of that time is Ishraq and the second half is Duha. Now the name that's given in the Hadith Sharif is, for this is called Salatul Awwabin. So this becomes a very confusing question in the exams for students that now explain this Hadith. So now the mind goes to the Salah after Maghrib Salah. That too is called Awabin. But in the Hadith Sharif, the name of Awabin is of this Salah. Now the, what, what we, we are discussing is, that now why is this called Awabin? Why it's called Awabin? The commentators of Hadith explain, Awabin, Awab refers to somebody who turns excessively to Allah Ta'ala. So now this is among the most busiest times of the day for any person. The businessman is engrossed in his business, somebody is engrossed in his profession, somebody in his job, somebody in whatever the world. This becomes the most busiest time of whatever a person is involved in. Now in the middle of all that, he stopped everything to make ibadat of Allah Ta'ala, four rakats, six rakats, eight rakats, whatever Allah Ta'ala blesses him with. This requires a lot of consciousness and it becomes a means of turn, those who turn excessively was Allah Ta'ala. They will be the ones who will now stop in the middle of this time also, this busy moment and turn to Allah Ta'ala. Now what is the point in this? Nabi Karim Salaam is teaching us the spirit of ibadat. That look, Fajr you perform, mashallah, very good. You already got your eye on the clock, what time is Zohar? Very good, mashallah. But look, the spirit is you try for this too. That is definitely you have to make, you got no choice on that. That is, can't be compromised. But the spirit of deen you try for this also. Therefore you have been given such great virtues for it. Now one is the, the hudud of ibadat. But the encouragement and the nudging is towards the spirit of ibadat. They don't be content with that. And the person who will bring alive the spirit of ibadat, inshallah he'll never compromise the hudud of ibadat. If he brings alive the spirit of ibadat, then he'll never compromise the hudud. But if he is lax about the spirit completely, that just doesn't bother him. Meaning he's got no concern about trying to do a little bit more of that too. Gradually it will start impacting on his hudud. First the sunnah and will get compromised sometimes. And when that becomes habitual of compromising the sunnah and someday he'll miss the wajib and won't bother about it. And gradually his jamaat will start getting missed. And then it will go on to his salah in time as well. So now the 
spirit of deen is what's the target. We are very weak, we can't do too much, but we can always still try to do something. And that is what we have to always be trying to acquire, the spirit of deen. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. This was one point only that was discussed till about the ilaj of the kabur. Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq. Inshallah in future we'll discuss more. Allah ta'ala accept and Allah ta'ala grant us all complete islah and make us among his true and obedient servants. Bless us with the qualities of the muttaqeen, with his true and kamil bandaz and raise us on the qiyamah as such. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah.